Welcome to Roman's Road. I'm your host, Eddie Roman. This is where we talk about evangelism and apologetics and all kinds of Christian stuff. If you've been paying attention at all, you've probably noticed a lot of people really upset in the area of politics. People are upset because their guy, their party didn't win. And this also includes a lot of Christians. I have seen families being ripped apart. I have seen friendships that have ended. I have seen all kinds of stuff going on simply because there are many Christians who are still very upset at the last election. And in a sense, I can understand we had our hopes up that certain things concerning abortion were going to happen. And, you know, there's all kinds of things you can think about in what went wrong or the fears of what could now go wrong and and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's important that as Christians, we just remember what our mission is, what our main purpose in being on this planet is for, and that's to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So a lot of talk has been going on about the reset, the great reset that the government is uh, attempting to do in resetting our society. I think it's important for us as Christians to reset our minds on the things of heaven, the things of God. So I was thinking about, you know, what could I do? Who could I have on here that could talk about politics in the area of Christianity and all that kind of thing? I'm thinking about QAnon. I've had some experience talking to people into that whole cult, and I believe it's a cult. And, you know, hopefully we'll we'll get someone on here at some point and talk about the cult of QAnon. But... The more I thought about it, and then the more I listened to the sermon that my friend Vic just preached, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to play this sermon because it kind of says it all. It doesn't really get into QAnon or, or any of the political stuff very much, touches on it. But I think it's just important that we as Christians don't lose sight of what we're here for, what our purpose is. And if we're upset over politics or the things that the governments of this world are doing, it's just an easy temptation to take us off track. So all that being said, I'm just going to play this sermon preached by my friend Vic Murphy down in Hamul Community Church outside of San Diego. And I just invite you to, to listen and allow God to reset your mind on the things of the kingdom. Well, I want to start by saying this message will not be politically correct. So, don't be upset if you think you're coming to a politically correct message because you won't be happy. And the reason why is because I'm going to use the Bible. And God's Word is not politically correct. And also, I want to warn you, um, it will not be culturally correct either because the Bible is not culturally correct. It opposes the culture, it opposes the world, it opposes our politics most of the time. So I'm going to use the Bible, and I'm going to try, and you, if you know me, you know, I get a little crazy. Bear with me. I'm going to try and use the Scripture in a way where if you will just leave me out of it, I know I'm a jerk, I know all that stuff. Don't worry about that. Let's just look at what the scripture says today and allow it to penetrate our heart. And and I think if we do, um, we can have a lot of hope and we can get a lot of encouragement from it because it is God's word and it is given to us. And that's why it's big, because we need a lot of hope and we need a lot of encouragement. So I want to start with the, the message of the church. 
but there's, there's, there's a couple aspects to it. There's an overriding message, and then there's the, this gospel message. And the overriding message of the church is that Jesus is king. Amen? Jesus is king. He is the king. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. Jesus is the king. That's enough. Because if you say Jesus is the king, there, there is no other kings that, that stand against him. He is the king of all kings, is what the Bible clearly teaches. So our message, overall message, is Jesus is our king, and he is the king. And then we have the gospel message. The gospel message, gospel meaning good news, and the gospel, sometimes we think about it and we make it really, really simple. Maybe because we first hear about it, maybe when we're in Sunday school and we're little kids, so they make it real easy for us. But the gospel is not easy. Uh, we will, the moment that Jesus comes and we see him again, when he comes for us, when he comes for his bride, whenever that may be, we will be experts in eschatology. We will know everything we need to know about the end times and prophecy when Jesus comes again. We will see and we will go, there it is. No questions asked. The gospel, however, is scandalous. It is deeper than any thought, anything we'll ever imagine. And I believe for all eternity, we will be looking into the glory of the gospel of what God did. It is deeper than we could ever imagine. So it's not some simple thing, a little picture of Jesus looking like a hippie, you know, dying on the cross, and then the little rock comes and he raises again, and now say a prayer. That's a, an insult to the gospel, making it so simple. I'm not saying that's insulting. I'm saying the gospel is everything. It is everything. Jesus is the gospel, and we will spend eternity with him looking into it. So to break it down for us, though, because we have this message of the gospel. And the message of the gospel is what God has commanded us to go and share. So we need to know it, because if we don't know it, we're going to be disobedient to our king. So the message, it, first off, it's a plan. So you see it from the beginning of time, even before time, God had a plan. And then we have the Bible that shows us how God has executed that plan. And then we have the event, the big event. But all the, the entire gospel points towards the cross. Everything points towards the cross. It's the, the centerpiece of God's masterpiece, what Jesus did, the perfect sacrifice. So we have the event. That's where we get the Sunday school pictures, the event of our Savior, our King. God became flesh. He humbled himself, became a man, and was obedient. He came to die. He came on a mission. He was our first missionary. He's, he came to accomplish the mission for us, to claim for himself a bride and a church. And so the plan was fulfilled on the cross. He was obedient. He died on the cross, and then he rose from the dead. He conquered death. Then he went to his disciples and, and gave them the mission. They already knew the message. The king has come, and now he gives them uh, the mission to go and proclaim this good news. And then we have, the, uh, we have the, the offer as part of the gospel. There's always an offer. Receive this. Repent from your sin. Repent from your rebellion, rebellion towards God. Repent from your rebellion towards the king. Receive his forgiveness that he bought for you on the cross. He took the punishment you deserved. And he will give to anyone who will call upon his name. He, he saves. And we'll see that in a minute. So there's this offer and the, the, the amazing thing about the offer we can never forget is it's a gift, and it cannot be earned by our works. 
And that's what makes it so glorious. And that's what makes it good news. If it was we have to earn our way, then it becomes burdensome. And that's what you see in the cults. You see the cults and you see all these false religions around the world. They're, they all have one thing in common. You have to participate in earning God's favor. And anytime it's Jesus plus some work to get your salvation, it's false gospel. It's a lie. Because Jesus, he is the Lord of all. He is the King of kings, and he alone accomplished it. It says that we are saved by grace, unmerited grace, through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. So we can't earn it, and that's what makes the, the, the gospel so glorious. Even our righteousness cannot be earned, and that's part of the application of the gospel. Every day I need the gospel. Every day I need to remember, man, because I think I want to go out in this world, proclaim the gospel, do things for his kingdom, and then I look at myself and go, man, I am a wretch. I'm a sinful man. Like, how could I be used with my sinfulness? And that's the truth. But then I look to my perfect Savior, and it's His righteousness that I'm clothed in, not my own righteousness. It's His righteousness. So I can now boldly go and proclaim, Jesus is King. And then people can point at you, yeah, but you, I'm not talking about me. Trust me, I know I'm wretched. I know I need His righteousness. He is the King. And that's part of the application in our growing and the understanding of who we are as God's children, understanding the gospel. He took our punishment. He conquered death. He gives it freely, forgiveness of sin. And also we get his righteousness. And then a big part of the gospel is the hope of the future. We have hope for tomorrow. We have hope for eternity. So the gospel message is wrapped up in that. He is the king, and we are his children. We are part of his kingdom. And we can look and go, he is going to complete the work that he has begun in us. Amen? That's good news. Because I go, man, it gets crazy around here. Has anybody noticed? It's a little wild out here in the world. But we can look to our king and go, there's nothing, not a grain of sand that moves outside of his sovereign will, outside of his just amazing power. And for us in America, I think it's hard for us to understand king, you know, what the power of a king or the sovereign power, because we, we were like, we think, or we used to think, we're free, you know, we do what we want. But other countries that I've been to around the world, um, where it's like communist or heavy Islam, or there's, you know, dictatorships kind of running the countries, they understand sovereignty better. They know if the government says, hop, you hop, and if you don't, it's a problem. We're going to see that, I believe, in the coming days and years um, more. We're going to understand what totalitarianism looks like. I hope not, but I, I would guess there's a possibility. But Jesus is supreme authority. He is the king. And I want to read a couple passages here just to establish this so you don't think I'm making it up. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 says, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So there it is, the ruler of the kings of the earth. There is no king, no president, no mayor, no governor that has any power whatsoever unless it is given to him by God. So when we raise our fists and we rage against our political leaders and people we hate or don't like, remember God is the one who placed them there. And the Bible teaches that clearly. 
He is the king of all kings, and he has a purpose in that. Many times he places people in places of leadership and power to judge unrighteousness. We don't always know. We'll look back and we'll know, but God is the king of the earth, of all the rulers of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sin by his blood. Thank you, Jesus, his perfect blood. He was a spotless lamb that was slain for us. You know, God instituted a sacrificial system where you had to have blood, life covering our death. And Jesus came. He was the perfect, spotless lamb. No disobedience, no rebellion, perfection. And he came. He laid himself. He laid himself. No man took his life. He laid himself upon the altar of the cross to shed perfect blood for the forgiveness of our sin. It says right there. And he has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And then Revelation 19, verse 13 says, He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on a white horse and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword. His word is sharp. We do not need to defend God. And I want to encourage us, I'm trying to be encouraging today with God's supreme power and his kingship. Like he does not need to be defended. He will do just fine defending himself. Amen? His word is a sharp sword. And it's not politically correct. When I say there is one king, his name is Jesus. He is the truth. And we're living in a time of complete deception where truth doesn't matter, where feelings and opinions are, are more important to people than truth. This is a tragedy. <laughs> this is a tragedy. And we cannot fall into this trap of thinking that our feelings and our opinions are more important than truth. We must stand on the truth. The truth is God's word. It's going to say things that potentially in the coming days are going to get you into a lot of trouble. It says things that could get this church into a lot of trouble. The word of God will never be, has never been politically correct and culturally accepted. It's always contrary because Jesus is not of this world. And we'll see this in, in a minute through scripture. It's not me making it up. And so we need to remember, be renewed in the fact and our message that Jesus is the king. He is the king and no other king stands against him. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And the armies of heaven are following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean, coming out of his mouth as a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. His truth will strike down the nations. They cannot stand. Truth reigns. Jesus reigns. There are, there are many nations that are in opposition to the truth of Jesus Christ. They persecute the church. They destroy anything that comes against their false gods and their false beliefs, 
But Jesus is the King of kings, and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it says, He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we see the scriptures go on and on and on. He is the king. And we are his children, the children of the king. We have been bought by his perfect blood. We have been taken from death. When we repent from our sins and trust in him as king, we're brought from death to life. And this is our reality. It's our reality. And we must believe this. We must wholeheartedly cement this into our hearts more than ever. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I could be even I, 10 times more dramatic. We must lay our lives down, our feelings and our opinions, our hopes, our dreams for the king. He is our king. We do his bidding as his servants. And he is a king that was willing to come off his throne and lay his life down for you. He's a worthy, loving, just king. Psalm chapter 2, I've been looking at a lot lately um, because of what's happening around our world. Psalm chapter 2 says this, and this should ring very true to you right now if you've been paying attention to anything. I try not to. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? When you plot against God, you're plotting in vain. Do you remember the story of the Tower of Babel? I love that story. The guy's name was Nimrod, you know? <laughs> now that I have children, I'm like, look at him. That would be a good name for you. But don't name your child that. But the, the ruler was Nimrod. He came up with this brilliant idea. We're going to make a tower and we're going to ascend to heaven and be like God. This is what has always been happening in our world. We're, we want to be God. That's why people oppose the gospel because we say Jesus is king and they're offended because they want to be king of their own hearts and their own minds and make up their own way. And the nations, are they hate it. And it says they plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together. It's never stopped. Since the Tower of Babel, the nations, the people will always try and band together and eliminate God. It says they band together against the Lord and against his anointed, us, Jesus, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. Let's get these guys out of here. At all costs, let's eliminate them. In other countries around the world, they're killing the church. They're killing them. They're imprisoning them in China, in Korea, all throughout Northern Africa, in Asia. They're killing them today. They're burning the churches down. They're slaughtering them, raping them, pillaging the church right now. This isn't some like, oh, back in the day. Now. They will never stop. And it creeps around the world. It's a darkness. It's always been here. It's the devil. He's an adversary. He will never stop. He's, he's enveloping. He's trying to envelop the world, this dark and dead world, with 
Complete unrighteousness, just like the Tower of Babel. And men buy in. They go, yeah, if we eliminate this, break their shackles, get them out of here, then we'll be free from this God. Can't happen. Look what it says next. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. God is laughing. He's on his throne looking down, going, what? The Lord scoffs at them. He's not impressed. You know, people think they're God. New Agers think they're God. Think about that. You know, they go out on the beach, they're one with nature, and they're screaming, I am God. Imagine what, what the angels are doing in heaven. They're like looking down, you know, Gabriel's looking, Michael, come and look at this. <laughs> I am God. He's like looking back at the throne of Jesus. Are you going to tell him or I'm telling him? I'm not telling him. This is how ridiculous people are. This is ridiculous. You are God? You have nothing. You are king? You are president? You are ruler? You're nothing. God laughs and scoffs. He's the king of kings. Nothing stands against him. He says he laughs and he scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king. On Zion, my holy mountain, I will proclaim the Lord's decree, the king of all kings, Jesus on the throne. He said to me, you are my son. Today I become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and will dash them to pieces like pottery. He takes this thing and dashes it to pieces. It's nothing. The strength of man in this world is nothing to the king of all kings. He just smashes it like nothing. Pieces of clay. Therefore, you kings, this is to all you world leaders. I'm sure they're all listening right now. <laughs> Therefore, you kings, you leaders, you governors, you mayors, you president, you senators, you congressmen, be wise and be warned. You rulers of the earth. That pretty much covers everybody. And that even covers fathers and families. You rulers, be wise. Serve the Lord with fear. And celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry. Kiss his son, or he will be angry. And your way will lead to your destruction, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. And there's our hope. This is all true stuff. This is what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't lie. It's the inerrant, perfect, unchanging word of God. Here it is. This is a situation we've been in since the beginning of time. Man trying to be their own God. It's a joke to the point to where God laughs and scoffs. And then it says, blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Our king, the king of glory. I mean, we, we will never die. If you are in Christ right now, you've received this forgiveness from your king. You've recognized your rebellion and your sinfulness and your rebellion. And you receive this free offer of salvation. You will never die. You will never die. 
you will take your last physical breath and, and open your eyes and you will go, what was I fighting against? I was trying to hold on to this horrible, wretched life of sin dragging around behind me with, with uh, death and destruction and the devil just constantly pounding on us in this world. And we're going to wake up and go, I'm in heaven. There's my king. And he'll say, enter into your rest, good and faithful servant, as we serve him to the end. We can never die. We slip right into eternity. We are alive and we can never die. Death, where is your sting? Blessed are those who take refuge in that, in him, our king. We're blessed. We have good news. The world is going to just be, it's going to be ridiculous as time goes on. And it already is. It already has been. I have been to the countries. I have been there. I've sat there. Communist countries. People going, yeah, my father died. They killed him. Yeah, my mom is in prison. Yeah, they came in and raped my sister. Yeah, I've talked to the people myself. And the people are like, yeah, that's what happened. Praise the Lord. Jesus is king because he is the king. When you're in a, a pressured situation, in a persecuted situation, is, it's how God moves. So I don't want to ruin anything for you, but if you look around this world and go, you know, I see persecution mounting. I see pressure mounting on myself personally as a Christian, in your jobs, in, within your family. And I look around, and I see, I see the politically maybe pressure coming and persecution coming on the church. If you read the Bible, I hope you do, from beginning to end, there's persecution. We just read it in Psalm 2. Always raging against us. Always. And God has used it from the very beginning all the way through the first century church, all the way to now, to get his church to move. We have a message and we have a mission. And we sit around and are comfortable and think it's about us using all of our resources, time, money, efforts on our own plan for our own kingdom. God has an interesting way of changing that. He uses all kinds of things. He uses our health. He uses our financial situations. But I think now he's going to start squeezing us even harder in a different way here in our country where we're going to have to face some realities and we're going to have to ask ourselves a question, who is the king of your life? Because that is the most important question. I know that he is the king, but is he your king? Is he the king of your thoughts? Is he the king of your mouth? Is he the king of your money? Is he the king of your future and your plans? Is he the king in your life? Because Jesus is the king and he shares his throne with no other. He doesn't share his throne. The Bible says, Jesus says, if you lose your life, if you will let go of this life you're trying to rule over, and you will follow me. You will gain everything. You will receive true, abundant life. But if you hang on to this thing, this throne that you've made in your life, he's like, you'll lose it all. You're going to lose it all. He's the only king. And we have to, as his children, and I'm saying this in the most loving way. I'm not a good expressor of my love. Please, church, I know most of you. I want to know all of you. We need to let go of this sin and these lies that so easily ensnare us and, and focus on the truth that Jesus is king. 
and we need to give it all to him because we are going to die. No vaccine saving you guys. I just want to do a newsflash. Ain't saving you. I can go to the, if I was running the CDC website right now, <laughs> I wish I was, I'd put a statistic on the front page. It would be the only true statistic that you will see because all statistics can be moved around. I hope you guys know that. On the front page, CDC, statistics, fact, proven beyond all shadow of a doubt, one out of every one people will die. Thank you for coming to our website. <laughs> you are going to die physically. Nothing's going to save us. But yet, everybody wants to go to heaven and nobody wants to die. You're, it's this mixed message. The longer I live, the more trouble I have, the more ready I am to go to heaven. I'm just like, this place is a dump. Everything around us, it's ridiculous. Paul said this. He's like, all this stuff is like dung to me. I don't know what that word dung means, and it, it means crap. <laughs> Everything in this world that I had and I amassed for myself, it's crap compared to the glory of Christ. But yet we hang on to our crap over here and polish it up. Let go and receive your inheritance, and it's now. We can live for the king, and we can never die. We will never die if you're in him, if you're in him, if he's your king. So, I want to talk just for a second, because the message is clear. Death to life through Jesus Christ. He's the king. Repent and believe and receive forgiveness and have new life. And he will empower you by his spirit to live and to deal with the things in this world for his glory, for your good. Simple gospel good news message. You can't earn it, can't deserve it, you receive it. But we need to, again, Jesus being king, we need to remember this and hold on to this as well. It's not physical. We, there's a mixed message out there. It's unfortunate. When people point to Christians and they point to a political party and they put the two together, we end up getting ourselves into a trap. Have you noticed? It's a trap because I go, oh, you know, I don't know about any of that stuff going on right there. But they lump us together. The Bible says that um, they will know you by your political party. No, no, that's not it. Uh, they will know you by your nice things. No, that's not it. They will know you um, because they will know you for your love one for another. And the reason for that is because we belong to a country, God's country. That's who we belong to. Now, we're in this country. We do all that we can to stand for justice, to vote for righteousness. We do all that. But we're from another country. We're actually aliens. Thankfully for us, you don't have to show your ID to vote, so we can still do that. But we're aliens to this country. We are part of God's kingdom. We are part of God's kingdom. And you'll see it right here. It says that it, the, the disciples, it's in Luke 24, uh, Jesus had died, and he had risen from the dead, but none of his disciples had seen him yet. And so there's two disciples, and they were going on the road to Emmaus. You know, that's where the good coffee shop was. So they're like, oh, let's get some coffee, I guess. They're walking. I threw that in there. That's a, that was just what I would do. And so 
They're walking and they're all bummed out. Well, Jesus shows up. Well, they don't recognize him. And that's a great mystery. I love this story. It's awesome. Jesus shows up and he goes, hey, what are you guys talking about? And uh, they go, oh, you know, haven't you heard? Like, what happened? And, he, and Jesus says this, if you look it up in Luke 24. He goes, what happened? <laughs> that's how the king of glory reacts to things. He's on the throne like nothing is happening that he doesn't know about. So he, Jesus goes, what happened? Like as if something happened that he wasn't in full control of. And they go, haven't you heard? Weren't you in Jerusalem? This is Jesus they're talking to. They took our Messiah and they killed him and they buried him. The religious people came against him. The Romans, they destroyed him. And, uh, and then they said, I wrote it down here, we had hoped. Luke 24, 21. We had hoped that he would be the one to set Israel free. They were looking for a political leader that would set them free from Rome. Caesar is Lord, right? Like Caesar was God of the government. If you did not bow down and say Caesar is Lord, you would die. That's why all the first century church died. It wasn't because they believed in Jesus. There's a thousand gods in Rome. You could believe in whatever God you wanted. The reason they died is because they would not bow their knee to Caesar and say, Caesar is Lord. They were like, no, 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 Jesus is Lord. Look, guys, okay, he's your Lord. We understand that. We got a thousand of them over here. Pick your one, you know? But you got to bow down and say, Caesar is Lord. He's the ultimate reigning supreme king. And the first century church was like, no, 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 no. I think you're misunderstood. I think you're missing our message. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the king. Jesus has all authority. Caesar has no authority unless God gives it to him. They weren't having it, and they're not having it now. Jesus is king. He is Lord. These guys were, were hoping in a physical kingdom. You know the story. And then Jesus goes, let me give you guys a Bible study. He gives them a Bible study. For my figuring, it's like from here to Target. That's how long they walked. And so, you know, there's a coffee shop there, I guess. But um, he's telling you guys through the scriptures all that must happen. Imagine how awesome that Bible study was. And then they sit down to eat with him. They still don't recognize him. He broke bread and gave thanks. And immediately their eyes are open and they see it's Jesus. And then he splits. Poof, he's gone. And they were just, they ran back to, to Jerusalem. These dudes are like, oh, I mean, they go back, you won't believe it. Jesus is king. You're like, oh, yeah, we figured that out. They were so excited because Jesus opened their eyes to the truth of the scripture. It's not physical, guys. It's spiritual. John 3 is very clear when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. We're talking about spiritual power and reality. This is an unreality. We think it's real. This is not real. This is, this is very temporal. And so, even Peter, he's with Jesus for three years. Peter, he's hanging out with them every day, seeing people raised from the dead, amazing miracles, all kinds of stuff happening. God loving him, probably feeling the most loved he'd ever felt, seeing the most compassion ever. And what does Peter do when they come to take Jesus? He gets his sword. Yeah, now is the time. Lops the dude's ear off, right? He's thinking, I'm going to fight physically for this kingdom. You know what Jesus does next? Picks the guy's ears up and goes, 
Happy New Year. Right? <laughs> it's so bad. Jesus is the king, and he says to Pilate when he's right there before he's getting crucified, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to pre prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. They tried, but he corrected them. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are the king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. Do you hear Jesus' voice? Do you read his word and are comforted by it, going, this is the truth? This is a lie. You can't make up your own reality, kids. The truth is the truth. Don't let your feelings and your opinions stand in the way of the truth, or you will be deceived, and it will be to your destruction. It's the word of God. Jesus said, I am the, the word. And it says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father, has peace with God, except through me. No other way. There's many gates to hell, one gate to heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? The truth is what we're after. In Romans 1, um, I wanted to establish, I wanted to establish that. Because I want that if we leave here with nothing. We need to have it on our lips and have it in our minds, to have it in our hearts where it comes out, it rolls out like nothing. Jesus is king. He's the king over all. When someone asks you, what are you doing with your life? Man, I'm serving the king. I'm serving him in what I'm doing, what I'm working on, where I'm spending my money, my plans. Man, Jesus is the king. I want to serve. I want to live for him. I want to store my treasures in a place where nothing can come against them, no stock market crash, nothing. I want to do it for the king because that's what his word, his decree to me has told me to do. So that's what I'm going to do. Romans 1 says, For I am not ashamed of this gospel, this good news, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness, perfection and righteousness and goodness and love and grace and mercy and justice is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from the first to the last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. We put our faith in him and we watch things happen. Um, Acts chapter 4, it says, Salvation is found in no one else. This is the apostles are preaching to the religious leaders. They're trying to give them a Bible study through the scriptures. And they're saying, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Your salvation will come from the Lord and the Lord alone. We need to not look for it anywhere else. We need to not think tomorrow is going to be better than today because it's not promised that we'll even be here tomorrow. Today is the day. Today is as close as we're going to get to eternity. Tomorrow is not promised. Yesterday is gone. Right now is our time. And if we walk in that reality, being content, and walk in the reality that today, right now, is as close as we can be to eternity, I think it'll help us to serve the Lord better because tomorrow isn't promised. And there's nothing else that's going to save us. Nothing else that's going to bring us the purpose that, that God desires for our life. It's Him alone. So we have all that. That's our message. And then we move on to our mission. And our mission, Matthew chapter 28, this is Jesus, the risen King, risen Lord. He's basically showing to us and showing to His disciples, death has no sting. Are you guys getting the picture? They killed me, and here I am. There's nothing that can be done to stop him. Unstoppable God. 
you can silence him. That's what they tried to do. But then he conquered death. And where do you go from there? And so here, Jesus is with his disciples. It says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains where Jesus had told them. Side note, there's 11 disciples. There used to be 12. Why? Because one of them was holding on to this world. Couldn't let go. Is that what you're doing? Are you holding on to this world? You think you're going to figure this thing out. You're going to ignore this, what I'm saying. You're going to ignore what God's word says. You're going to do what you want to do. Yeah, I like religion. I like Jesus. Makes me feel good and moral and like a nice guy. But I'm going to ignore it and do what I want. It doesn't work. It will never work. It hasn't ever worked. Eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountains where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. And this is for all of us. But some doubted. (laughs) Eleven disciples with Jesus day and night. And these guys see the risen king and still are doubting. We are in good company. Amen? Because I have doubts. And my doubts come from lies and deception of my own heart, what the world's constantly feeding me, what my feelings are telling me, opinions, lies. The devil is a liar. I'm a liar. My heart's a liar. Don't follow it. It's a liar. Emotions are a liar, and opinions are deceivers. I made that one up. Jesus is the truth. It says they doubted, and that's okay. It's okay to doubt, but we press in to the truth when we doubt. And the Holy Spirit has come for us and filled us with all truth. And so it says, some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, underline this, all authority. Not some, not a little bit. Oh, he's up there in heaven wishing he had it all, but you know, he's going to not have all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is the supreme authority. Therefore, go. So it's cool how he does that, right? He says, I am the supreme authority of the universe. And because of that, you go and do what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. Everything, all of it. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. This is an incredible passage. I know we're so used to hearing it that it's like, oh yeah, great commission. If you will look at what this says, he is the king of all kings and he's given you a job. He's commanded us to recognize this mission as the church, this message and this mission. And he is with us. He's not even, he's like, you guys are not going to pull this thing off without me. (laughs) Not happening, so I'm with you. That's even more encouraging. He's not, God is not surprised by what's happening in your life. No matter how disastrous it may seem right now, he's not surprised. Trust him. Follow him. Trust him. He's not surprised by our world right now. He's in complete control. All authority. Then we go to Luke 24. And he opened their minds, same time, opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. God, please open our minds so that we can understand the scriptures. Please, God, open our minds so we can see these truths and we can believe them, receive them, and live them. 
He says, he told them, this is what I've written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem all the way to Hamul. This is it. He's like, I conquered death. Go and preach it to all the nations. It's life. I am the king. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. You are the witnesses of these things. He told his disciples, I have witnessed it. I am a witness of these things. I have seen my own life go from complete rebellion, utter disaster, complete love for the things of this world, transformed literally for me. I look at it, it's like an instant. I was from death to life in an instant. And then like John 3 says, unless you're born again, which is what that was, I didn't know at the time, but when that happens, then you see the kingdom of God. Then you look around at this world and go, oh, what in the world is going on here? Don't these people know that Jesus is king? They're, they're chasing after lies. And so now our job is to go out and go, no, no, no. Jesus is king. This is going to lead you to a road of destruction and death if you continue down this path. Jesus is king. Turn. Receive it. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. He gives us something that the disciples didn't have right here. His Holy Spirit, power from on high to walk in victory, in truth, and to be able to... The gates of hell cannot prevail against his church and against his truth. There's nothing can stand against us. Kill me? Guess what? I'm alive. You cannot stop what God is doing. Mark 16, he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So if, you're, if you don't know how to preach the gospel, if you're scared, you can practice on your dog right here. All creation, preach it. Come over here. Jesus, you need Jesus, man. Just kidding. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. We don't like talking about the condemnation. The Bible likes talking about the condemnation because that is the urgency behind it. If John chapter 3 says that as well, he says, they, they, they love darkness rather than light. He says, I didn't come to condemn the world. Jesus said this. I didn't come to condemn the world. The world's condemned already. They're already rebellious. They're already dying. They're already going towards a cliff that will lead to their destruction. I came to stop them, to save them from the path of death. And that's our job. That's our job. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We're working for a country with a king that is glorious, and our job as ambassadors to go out as an ambassador as though God were making his appeal through us. God is willing to die for us. So if we're making an appeal on behalf of God, we should be willing as him as our king and our leader, to lay our lives down as well and to make this appeal. Turn from the way that leads to death, these lies and destruction, these things that you're trying to put your hope and trust in in this world that will ultimately kill you, maybe eternally, and receive a new king in a new country that will never end and has all authority. And he says, we implore you, this is their message, and this is our message, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And the way this happens, all of this, 
us being ambassadors. This is our mission to proclaim the gospel. It happens through preaching. Now, when I say preaching, you think of like up here preaching. No, it's communicating this message in whatever way you can. It can be through writing. It can be through your Facebook. It can be through a number of different ways. It's, but it's sharing the message of the gospel, the good news. You can be reconciled to God. I'm an ambassador. I'm going to share with you the most important thing in my life and the universe. It's God. It's the King of Kings. He came. He did it. That's our job. That's your only job. One job to do is to share this message and love one another. As we love one another, we set ourselves apart from the world. There's a difference that brings a little more power to the punch, but it's the gospel message. Romans chapter 1, it's the, it's the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for those being saved. No other way. That's the tool that Jesus uses. It says here in Romans 10, Now what do, you, do I say? The word is near you, and it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then, with this all being true, that our confession, our believing our heart and our confessing with our mouth, Jesus is my king. How can that happen? Then, verse 14, can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent, encouraged? Church is for us to come together and hear the truth and be renewed in our faith, loving one another, encouraging one another. And it happens here. Like I've been going to JCC probably almost 11 years now. I've been part of the staff for almost seven years now. And this place is awesome. You guys are awesome. The ones of you I do know to see the love and the serving that's happened here, the hard things that have happened in people's lives with cancer and death and financial struggle and our, our commitment to the gospel, commitment to missionaries. I'm blessed. I hope you're blessed. I've been blessed by this church, and which is you people. It's incredible. And we come here so that we can be renewed and encouraged. We're with you. We're on the same team. We can go and share this message. And I encourage you. I help you. We work together to do that. And it says, how can they know unless they're sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Man, not only are we commanded, so if we're not going to be disobedient, we got to do it. Now, when we do it, we're completely fulfilled. I never share the gospel with someone and walk away going, wish I wouldn't have done that. Never. For me, it's even like when they're super opposed, like I love it. I love it. I'm like, that is awesome. Good job for even like, at least you have some kind of conviction. I hope Christians would do that. Jesus is the king. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Yes, he is until he comes. Okay, let's do that. He's the king. We don't need to be ashamed 
How could we be? He conquered death. He's our king. It says, preach the gospel always. You ever heard this one? This is a famous quote. Preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. You ever heard that? It's a quote. It's the devil. That's who said that. (laughs) Preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. You can't preach the gospel without words. Some of the nicest people I know are complete rebellious so-called atheists. They're great, nice people. You don't live next door to them and go, that's a nice garden you have. That's wonderful. You must know the king. This doesn't happen. It's a fairy tale. That's a deception. The gospel is a message. Death to life through Jesus Christ. The king has come, laid his life down, conquered death. He will give you freedom from your sins. So it says, preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. We just read, how can they know unless there's someone sharing it? So don't believe that. Yes, we love others. Yes, we be an example. Yes, we serve. Yes, we do all that stuff. But preach it. People like it. They even like it that you're willing to have a conviction to stand for something instead of nothing or everything. So we have a lot of problems. I just want to, I'm going to end with a couple scriptures here. We have a problem with the world, and Jesus said in John 15, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Are you surprised that the world hates you and your church? You shouldn't be. Maybe you should pick up your Bible every now and then. Dust that baby off right here. John 15. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. They will. If everyone loves you, look in the mirror. Don't make them not love you because you're a jerk. Make them not love you because you're sharing the truth with them. Reject the message, not the messenger. That's the Christian way. Jesus loved people to death. Let's do the same. The message hurts. It stings. You throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one who yelps the loudest is the one that got hurt, hit, right? It's the one that got hit. That's why I love the internet. You put them on there, and then rawr, 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 the dogs are all barking. You're like, oh, look at them go. And you just, they're asking for it. Let me come over here and help you, buddy. Galatians, or First Peter, uh, speaking of the devil, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Our flesh is all against us, Galatians 5. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The solutions for these things in our world is Ephesians 6. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And the devil, Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The devil is done. He was crushed. He's over. The king has come. And our flesh in 2 Corinthians, these are the solutions. That is why, for Christ's sakes, I delight in my weakness, in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, he is strong. I'm the weakest person in this room. I'm the most sinful person in this room. I am not worthy to do anything, but then I look up at my glorious Savior, and I stand behind his robe and wrapped in his righteousness and declare, he's a king. It's not me. I am not worthy, but he is worthy. 
and we stand behind him. We have an alien righteousness. And I love that word, alien righteousness. It's not our own. 2 Corinthians 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're hiding in him. We're wrapped up in it. And so how do we do this? How do we do these things in this crazy world we live in? Romans chapter 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Stop. We got to stop. I have got to stop. Continuing the lies, the media and filth and ridiculous stuff. Don't be conformed to it. Don't listen to what our end game is. Jesus tells us our end game because we try and be a part of this world. So don't be conformed to the pattern in this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We won't know God's will until we turn from the things of this world. They're lies. And as long as we keep pursuing them, we're not going to know God's will. The devil in James chapter 4, it says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And finally, uh, 2 Corinthians 10 talking about our real problem with ourselves. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have a divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that has set itself up against the knowledge of God. We're living in a rough time. There's a lot of deception And the world has basically based everything on their feelings and opinions, and they've disregarded the truth. Truth does not matter in this this humanistic, secular, totalitarian highway that we're on. And we need to be people of the truth, because Jesus said, I'm the truth, and my sheep hear my voice. And we submit to him and trust in him, and he will demolish. I love that word demolish all strongholds. He's sitting on his throne and laughing and scoffing at the plans devised against him. So he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take all of our thoughts, every thought we have, captive to the obedience of Christ. We take it, what we know of his word, and we do it. We live it, we hang on to his promises, and we walk forward no matter how messy it gets. We come together, encourage one another, we go out. We're an outpost in this dark world to proclaim the truth that Jesus is king. That's our message, and that's our mission. Amen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a good review on iTunes. This is the best way for others to notice Romans Road and give it a listen. The more Christians listening and learning how to evangelize, the more we glorify the Lord. Ray Comfort here. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please take a moment to do so now. On your phone's podcast app, search for Romans Road, and when you find it, hit subscribe. It's free, and by doing so, you'll get all episodes past, present, and future. Then when you're finished, head over to livingwaters.com for a huge collection of evangelism videos, articles, tracks, and resources to help you share the gospel with those around you. That's livingwaters.com. Thanks for listening to Romans Road. If you want to learn how to evangelize, check out my book, Search and Rescue, available at eddyroman.com.
On my website, you'll also find videos and other things to encourage you to preach the gospel to your friends and family. That's eddieroman.com. See you next time. Yeah.